Podcast. I'm Grant Bruner. Joining me today, uh, we have Rob and Laughlin. How are you doing, Rob? I'm not doing too bad. How are you doing, Grant? I'm fantastic. And how about, how about you, Laughlin? I'm okay, thank you. Uh, and today we're talking about the first eight issues in the Mass Effect Foundation comic series. And uh, so we actually have done... Um, comic issues before our comic uh, episodes before i want to say lotham was your first episode on the weekly roar a, yeah. a, a a comic one uh on quadcast yeah, yes. yeah 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 but yeah. oh, did i say the weekly roar yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh fuck that's what, we you, about. what are you gonna do <laughs> weekly roar is another podcast sorry the weekly roar um where can they find that podcast grant the weekly roar.com uh slash wizard i don't know um let's talk about comics so when this before it came out uh they the way i was the way i perceived the the way they were handling it was this is a new side series to mass effect um it's telling its own story within the mass effect universe and i was pretty excited about that now rob you didn't experience the the kind of like the pre-hype or whatever but what Mm. about you laughlin do you remember when they announced this? Like, did you have the same perception that I had that it was a, um, a kind of a new side story with new characters? I actually hoped it would be, but then again, yeah. mm. so that's my. So I was wondering actually if it would uh, keep me interested because you know, well, you know, it's Mass Effect, so everybody loves Shepard and mm-hmm. wants to hear all about uh, the squad and stuff like that, but it was supposed to be, you know, a separate story, but it's not really. <laughs> no, it's not. It, it really became, like, it kind of became, uh, like, season two of Mass Effect Homeworlds. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Um, we're like, Homeworld. I, we're like, they sold Homeworlds as totally fine. They're like, hey... This is kind of like bridging stuff. We're going in and we're delving into individual characters in each of these four issues. I think that's totally fine. That's what, like, if you go into Homeworlds, that's what you signed up for and that's what you get. Um, but with Foundation, I feel like they tried to be like, oh, it's new stuff in the Mass Effect universe. And then they do that for, like, half an issue. And then they go in to be like, okay, yeah, it's stuff that you've already seen in the games. But, like, from a different perspective. Yeah. Um... That bums me out. So, like, going in, hoping it was going to be, like, a new, interesting take on the Mass Effect universe, like, completely separate from the Shepard story, uh, I was pretty bummed out by this series. I don't think it's very good. Um, I don't think the writing's very good. I don't think the art is, on the whole, very good. Um, I just think it's a bad... I just think it's a bad series. Um, and I think I think that... We might end up agreeing a lot in this <clears throat> in this uh, episode. So let's start off with uh, Mass Effect Foundation One. Um, we're introduced to a, a nameless character who we are later, uh, or is at least called Brooks, regardless of whether or not that's actually her name. She's kind of the I don't know the the main character of this first issue. She's going around. She cl- she clearly works for the the Shadow Broker, and she is you know. Going around being a badass uh, agent of the Shadow Broker, and she befriends this little kid. Um, they, you know, they go through an elaborate process, and at the end, the kid reveals that the kid is not a boy, is instead a girl, and then shoots Brooks dead and steals her ship. Um, first off, 
I was I was at least in, like semi interested in where it was going in this first issue because like there's no real talk about the Shepherd story outside of being like they reference Barlavon and they reference the Shadow Broker. But I'm like, all right, all right, all right. If it has to be that way, it has to be that way. They have to like like connect it to the rest of the series. If this is as deep as it goes, okay, that's fine. Um, but I would prefer if they didn't. Um, but secondarily, why the fuck do they do the girl-boy switch? That doesn't make sense to me. And also, they don't do anything else with that? That's just totally ripped off from uh, uh, Riddick. But, like, so, so, but I mean, I've never read the Riddick books or watched the Riddick movies. Well, it was in the first, um, uh, Pitch Black. But I would assume they at least, like, do something with, interesting with that? In this, they do nothing with it. Where, like, if they had introduced this character as a girl, and then she continued to be a girl, it would have been nothing. It would have meant, I mean, like, it would have, it would have changed nothing. Would have would not have changed a single goddamn thing. I wonder if maybe there's a chance that um, when Mac Walters wrote it, he may have been um, overestimating how much the little girl would look like, um, I suppose her name's Raz now, but Specialist Brooks as we know her. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was, they were possibly thinking, well, let's throw them off the scent entirely by saying, oh, yeah, this is a boy, so even if you notice the resemblance, it can't be her. Oh, wait, it's Brooks. Who knew? Um, is, I, I'm aware that I'm using her name in Citadel DLC, which is actually the name of this character, the, the red-headed character who's going about working with Shadow Broker. So sorry if I've already made everything really confusing. Right. Raza will be calling her from now. Yeah, 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 but, yeah Raza. Yeah. But so, like, who gives a shit? I guess this is my point. We're like, who gives a shit about all of that? Because, like, if it was just a little girl this entire time, like, it would me, it would be completely meaningless. Like, it, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't have any difference whatsoever. And so, like, there's supposed to be, like, this big reveal at the end where it's like, no, I was secretly a girl the whole time. But, like, nobody gives a shit. And it falls so flat. Yeah, yeah it, it doesn't work. I think it's misjudged, but I think it's maybe catering to the idea that there's possibly a chance that you might suspect that she's Raza. But, like, Already? who would do yeah. that also? No, exactly, exactly. Like, it's cr- missing. A crazy person would do that. No, yeah. seriously, it only pissed me off because I was thinking about Riddick all, the whole time. Yeah, it's bad. It's so like, and so like this. Uh, my immediate thing is to say how bad this is, and then I think this is the strongest. I think this is the strongest issue in the entire series, <laughs> which is you know that doesn't. It's not good. Certainly not good. Um, but um, I think that it's at least interesting because they're characters that like we have not seen before, and they're doing, and it's kind of like an action movie. Um, and because it's an action movie in a in, like in a situation that we've never seen, um, I think that it is at least at least has like some mystery going for it and some intrigue going for it. That I'm like, I want to see where this goes, and then it just doesn't go anywhere. But um, I think, it, w- would you agree that this is the strongest uh, issue in the series, Rob? Um, not personally, actually. It's I I find it. Um, I find that the action is often a little badly conveyed, and I think that the action... I mean, I, I appreciate what he's saying as much as it's the only one which seems like it's telling a new story as opposed to um, crossing T's and dotting I's. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I find the action very hard to follow in the way that it's drawn out. It's sort of, I'm losing track of who's where and who's where. That's, that's a problem that becomes more pronounced, I think, in later episodes, but it's I, I can't safely, um, in my own good conscience, give the nods for the best issue to uh, to one that is so action-led. 
Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I, so it's at least interesting. I do think that um, the art is the best in this issue. I think yeah. pretty pretty solidly. What about you, Laughlin? Do you think this is, uh, in terms of writing and art, how do you feel about this? In, in uh, well, the writing blue, and I think we agree on that. Well, I agree wholeheartedly, but I think it, but I think it's better than whatever happens next. Like I think it's better than the other seven issues. Well, actually, no. Um, the the it's at least more interesting. Through, I think, uh, to fourth uh, was uh, art artist was uh, Tony Parker, and I liked him the most actually. Oh really? So you like so you liked uh, the guy who did three through four and then eight? Um, Probably yeah, but um, <laughs> at that time I didn't eat. Yeah, eight as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I I firmly think that like this are <clears throat> the artists in this, and I actually I wrote down all the the names so I I wouldn't I wouldn't forget. Um, so let's see, uh, Omar uh, uh, Francia. Uh, is the uh, is the artist in issue one? And I think that's by far the best. Uh, what do you think, Rob, about about the art in um, one versus the, the the rest of them with all different artists? Yeah, art wise, I think it's the best. In fact, I think the covers of each episode are the best, and I think that's possibly to be expected. But that's always yeah, that's yeah. how yeah. it rolls. Is that they they you know commission somebody and give them a bunch of time to do one thing, and then they're like, okay, other artist who's doing the real comic. You have three and a half minutes to do each panel. Ready and go. Yeah, um, I do. I do agree, but I think I, I think there's again, it's the action sequences I sometimes find a little hard to follow. So I don't think that's necessarily the artist so much as the art direction. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's certainly I think it's got the strongest visual feel to it. Although there are later uh, later issues, I keep calling them episodes, um, where. It's it's a bit more stylized, and I think that sometimes works and sometimes doesn't. But yeah, it's it's the most consistent artist, like definitely. Yeah, and then also I think that not only like regardless of your like your preference between like let's say uh, Omar uh, uh, Francia or uh, Tony Parker, regardless of which one you prefer, it's really kind of jarring to re- be reading them back to back and have the art change pretty drastically one to the other. That's true, but now the why I found uh, the second guy mm-hmm. uh, I like him the most because he I think that personally I think that he has uh, the most uh, pronounced his own style okay that, that's why because the, the, to be quite honest with you the, the first issue I got the, the art reminded me of other comics okay. too much to actually you know like it I think that's fine. I mean, I, I think it really comes down to personal taste. Um, but I really wish they would have stuck with one artist, or at least, or at least be able to find artists that can mimic each other's style consistently. I just wish there was consistency that's, that's, throughout that's, the series. This is exactly what I'm talking about. I like uh, it when the artist has his own personal style, uh-huh. and this guy had it. The, well, it showed the most. I think that's fine. Um, and so. As far as these issues go, I would say that Raza, as revealed as the little boy into a girl, and then you know jumps later into working for the Elusive Man, the Cerberus, um, she plays much less of a role in the in the overall series than I was anticipating. What, like, what do you think about what do you think the character Raza in the in the comic book series as uh, you know 
we've only seen issues one through eight so far. We haven't seen the last three. But what about you, Rob? Like, did you go? It, it did it go where you thought it was going with her? Um, it's it took me a little while to get a hold on where exactly it was going because as as you say, it's I like you thought it was going to be a single continuous narrative from the start, and then it became sort of vignettes framed by just the, her and Kai Lang sort of little moments of that just to put them into context and mm-hmm. to kind of give the illusion of story it's it felt strange it's i mean she she was a character who i think um was only very lightly sketched in um during the sister dlc so it's nice to see her backstory and see that she does have a backstory as opposed to just being a sort of uh villain-esque with a dodgy british accent mm-hmm. um but there's there's <laughs> <laughs> there's you notice um it's it, there's an episode of torchwood called adam where there's a creature called adam who's a creature of memory and he writes himself into everyone's memories and it's a bit like that where everyone's like oh yeah kai Leng was here all along oh yeah raza was here all along it's like where were they in the games it's it sort of feels a little bit like Should like going back y- yeah exactly it feels like a um it feels like a notable retcon um and it occasionally jars as that but I, li- I like it as a framing narrative and i like it as a way to structure the vignettes and now that i know it's vignettes i actually quite like the way it dips in and out of them but it is a bit curious um but i think fundamentally my problem with the re- out, like outside of the first issue which is kind of like it's its own thing because it like, mm-hmm. has to set up the idea of rasa and like what her deal is um and all the everything else is completely different than that it's talking about the things that you already kind of you've already seen in the, in the games um is my, my main problem is that like I don't give a shit it, because like they're fundamentally talking about things that we've that we already know about either we've already seen from different eyes or we've already heard about um, and I just don't care I like I love I love Mass Effect um, but like give me something else I'm so tired of rehashing the same old same old uh, like what Shepard, like, ty- I-, I remember thinking, once I figured out, one- once I read the second issue, and I'm like, oh, shit, this is just a bunch of rehashing shit from Mass Effect, what's the time to Shepard? And the answer is, issue three is time to Shepard. <laughs> um, it's, there's there's a, a, a line of thought in, I think, Mass Effect fan base that, um, that prequels are innately boring, and it's sort of like they go, oh, no, we don't want to have a prequel, we don't want to look at the morning war or anything like that, because we know how they end. And I don't think that's necessarily true. I think you can totally tell interesting stories tell if you don't story. know... Yeah, you can tell new stories if you don't know their exact input. It's the things that happen in between that matter, and I think um, these are nonetheless... It's Particularly with this issue, with the second issue with Rex, it's, it's the minutes, the days before we see him um, before we meet him in the first game. Mm-hmm. So it sort of has a sense of a foregone conclusion, mm-hmm. which I don't think Morning War necessarily would. But there's also a vein of thought that it's, if there is to be a sequel, it must be with Shepard and it must be with his crewmates. And I think in constantly revisiting the same characters, Bioware are kind of playing up to that. And it kind of means that when Mass Effect 4, or whatever it's called, actually does come out, they're going to have a much harder job selling new characters than if they had done this series with a whole group of new characters and gone, look, there is, there is room in this, there, there is room in this galaxy beyond Shepard. There are people who matter beyond Shepard and his crew. We so have squeezed think, so much out of Shepard already. They, they've shot themselves in the foot a little bit there. I, I mean, I agree with you that they're going to be, like, it's an, up, it's an uphill battle. But mm-hmm. on the other hand, like, they need to do, they need to fucking wage that war. They, like, they need to, to deal with 
whatever negative feedback or lower sales that whatever. Because, oh, absolutely. Because like if Mass Effect, if Matt, whoa, voice cracked. Uh, <laughs> if Mass Effect is nothing but like. Uh, I don't know, Shepard continues to save the universe again, um, then, like, fuck Mass Effect, <laughs> you know? I agree. I don't, I don't want that anymore. Like, if Mass Effect 4 turns out to be like, oh, sorry, well, we, uh, we, uh, playtested it, and it turns out people just want more Shepard, um, I am so over that. Yeah, it's, I, I completely agree. I think, I think they need to move on, they need to create new characters. It's the, the galaxy, the universe is the star, and the yeah. setting is the star. Um, yeah, exactly. But... It's, they they have this awesome, wonderful universe, and it's just ripe with stories that can be told. But they choose to return to exactly same fucking thing every single time they even try. Yeah, yeah. it's frustrating. Yeah, I'm looking yes. forward to Mass Effect Four, but I fear stuff like this is going to mean that the fans I'm maybe serious. will be. Right, seriously, if I want more Shepard, then um, there's plenty of fanfiction out there that sometimes are even better than the writing in the series. Uh, and yeah. that's, that's awesome. If I want more Shepard, that's where I'm going. Not another game, and seriously, not more comic books, because I was promised something else. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's really tough, because um, I, I think that they because like of, of course the writers know what they have like there's no there's no way for them not to have known that like that they have this fucking rad setting that people really like um no, like they like simultaneously both ironically in that like in that it's like a, a a hodgepodge of things that of of references to other um sci-fi settings and like uh you know a a mixture of like 70 60s 70s 80s uh, sci-fi where but also completely legitimately in that there's settings and characters and and cultures that people already fucking really love so there's so much affection and the writers obviously know that that exists but the problem isn't the writers the pro- uh, I mean, it's sometimes the writers and the, like sometimes the writing is shitty but the, that's not the problem the problem is how do you get money slash approval from the people whose job it is, who's like whose job it is to push numbers around on paper? How do you get them to sign off on doing this thing that is obviously more risky than more of the same? When you're like, hey, we have all this other stuff, but they're like, well, our our numbers show that if you just put Shepard in this, it would sell ten percent more. So just do that. Said I know, but seriously, I think. Uh, that they actually uh, lack a writer that would be willing to create something completely their own within the universe rather than just stick to Shepard. Because some of, some of the writers are actually working on... Um, Dragon Age. Dragon Age right now. Yeah. And some quit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jennifer so, Yeah. So, it, I, th- I think this is a problem because... the. The, the the lead writer also quit. Remember? Yeah, yeah. D- David Carpenter. The second and the third game. Yeah, yep. And he they, didn't, they, well, you didn't quit. They at just the time. don't have they, what to do with this now. Yeah, it, like that was Bioware's own fault, because sure. they're because they're like, hey, the old Republic is happening. Can you go down to Texas and like make this work, please? Uh, it worked, did it? No, well, yeah. I mean, like they ended up kind of fucking, uh, fucking Mass Effect to to like to get uh, the Republic out the door. 
um, by taking away resources, uh, you know, kind of like, you know, taking away the guy that was doing the, like, the big over, you know, overarching structure of Mass Effect and being like, hey, you moved to Texas now. Um, and that, that screwed him over as well because he, they didn't really even have his notes about how it's supposed to end. So. Well, but then also, like, let's not, let's not, uh, romanticize uh, Carpitian too much because keep, keep in mind like under his watch the fucking uh, the baby Terminator <laughs> like but, because it's so easy after Mass Effect 3 Pets, so much uproar Pets. Mass Effect 2 like people it's easy to forget about Mass Effect 2's baby Terminator thing that people fucking hated well I actually think you, you mean the, the baby Reaper at the yeah. end but the, the human style Reaper yeah people fucking hated Pets. that He's called Pants because he doesn't have any. Yeah, it's bad, <laughs> bad, bad, bad. So, like, let's not romanticize. Yeah, I mean, but but uh, the the pro- I, I, I don't mean that he he was you know wholly hopeless character, right? I mean that um, well, a little more consistency would be sure yeah. nice. And then also like. The whole like where they set things up with Tally's story and Mass Effect Two with the the sun's dying, the dark energy stuff. Yeah, yeah that yeah. was to be a big thing, and, and that never went anywhere. It, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So anyway, let's get back to the actual comics. Um, we see oh, okay. pretty much right away we see Kylang and Rex uh, being dealt with in this this in, in issue two, and it's like EU syndrome where the, that. Often happens in big franchises that have expanded universe things, be it comic books or novels or whatever. Uh, games, games, yeah, exactly. And where the, where everything has to be linked to the main thing, whatever the main thing is, be it a, be it a, a, a book or be it a game or be it a movie or be it whatever, it has to link it to the main story. Where it's like. Uh, hey, this is a, a, a Star Wars book with this new character, but they're best friends with Chewbacca. Um, where it's like it makes everything, it makes everything <laughs> feel very small and Star like Christmas special. Yes, um, <laughs> it makes everything feel small and like there's nothing else happening. Like it, it makes when this shit happens, it makes it feel like nothing else in the entire Mass Effect universe is happening at all if Shepard is not related to it. And that bums me out. Yep. It's, yeah, I, I, I've certainly complained about the expanded universe thing before. It's, it's it feels like a town where you know each other, <laughs> just sort of like everyone keeps bumping yeah, into everyone. It's galaxy, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. And that's it's shitty. It's shitty. It's shitty. It's shitty. And like, it's... why, why, why does this have to continue happening? Like, how? Can't we? Is there no way that we can get past this where we can just like get through to? corporations who own ip where it's just like you can make things that are rad that aren't like directly related to the thing that is already successful it's, i think there's also a sense in that writers are fans of the things they're writing so they get these characters and they want to reuse them and reuse them and really explore them but it's yeah i, I agree more new characters who are completely tangential it's as you say it's the first issue of this it was a great opportunity to be completely tangential mm-hmm. And um, it's, it's it's not quite it's not quite worked out that way, has it? No, not at all. Um, uh, the Batarian with the eye patch, though, I thought, which is the only really, like, I guess, is like my only positive note of, of all of this is that there's a, in 
in issue two, there's a Batarian with with an eye patch over one of his four eyes, and I think that looks so rad, and I would like to see that in a game. Yeah, it's great. I like the I like the Batarian as well. Let, let's get him into uh, Mass Effect Four. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, fuck it. Let's make Mass Effect Four like Batarian with an eye patch focus. Like, he's the protagonist now. I'd like that. Um, yeah. I'm a Batarian, so obviously I agree. Shit, I would play a Batarian game. Batarian's yeah. a badass. You, you know what? I'm just going to go completely back on everything that I said. If you played through like the entire Mass Effect series from the Batarian perspective, <laughs> that would be pretty fucking great. That would be excellent. I'd, I'd, yeah, that, that should be like a little DLC somewhere down the line between the games. Yeah, fuck everything that I said before on this podcast. Let's just do that. <laughs> like, regardless of everything else, all the other criticisms, just Batarian all the time. Um, sounds good. Batarian Shepard, uh, like, it, like in this alternate universe, Shepard dies in in the beginning of Mass Effect Two, and then the Batarians take over. Uh, I, actually, I saw that. Uh, Batarian equivalent of uh, Shepard was Balak. Mm. Yeah, I guess. Um, he, he was sort of a, you know, um, leader, military leader and badass. I guess, yeah. He, he was especially that, that actually came out uh, in the third game when you meet him and, and it turns out that he basically owns the military now because no one else would. Right, yeah. Um... Ashley is an issue. Th- or is there anything else about issue two before we move on? Um, there's an interesting way that the art sort of seems to decay as the um, as the comic goes on. It's like there's a really good action sequence. It's, it looks very good for what it's worth, mm-hmm. um, even if it is a little bit confusing. But then there's a panel where um, hold up, let me just read some of the dialogue from the panel. Well, looks like your plan to store the Krogan is working. And it's right at the bottom. She is feigning um, hysteria. She sort of says, you have to help me. There's a crazy Krogan outside my door. And that entire page, all of a sudden, it looks a little bit terrible. So it's just quite strange. Mm-hmm. It's a strange moment where it looks like they ran out of budget. Mm-hmm. Yes, like, <laughs> hey, we need this tomorrow. Yeah, there are a few bits like that throughout all the comics. Um, <laughs> it's, just, it's entertaining, but it is a little bit curious. Yeah, that that's a shame. Um, where because like you see it with video, with any medium, you're like you get that where it's like, oh shit, it's crunch time. We have to finish this fucking by you know the end of the week. But like at least with a video game, um, it's like the quirky, shitty parts that are not polished right are. It's going to be like dialogue overlaps or like it's a little weird, like the geometry gets a little weird and you get snagged on it. Not like, oh, the main character doesn't look right for fucking, like, 30 minutes of the game. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's a little bit of a problem when you're doing, you know, art, you know, like, unique art for, like, Baroque art for every single thing that you do, um, that when you run out of time and you have to do something, um, shit gets weird. Yeah. And that's unfortunate. Uh, Ashley's in issue three... And my only note for issue three um, is that they really, like, just fucking ham-fistedly handle the sexual orientation stuff, um, where they talk about Ashley, and it's, like, about how she's getting hit on by a bunch of douchebags um, in her unit, and then they talk about, like, a a lady, and it's like, oh, if she swung that way, uh, and then there's a super creepy guy where it's like, that would be hot, um... I hate that. I hate that whole scene. Um, not that I don't think it's appropriate to talk about sexual orientation, um, but it needs to be talked about in like in 
in a non-creepy way, if at all possible. Um, yeah. And they didn't, they handled it super poorly is my problem. Not that they talked about it, but the problem that they didn't handle it well. They did, but then again, um, I think that they threw it into uh, to hammer the point the, that Ash was not a, a love interest for a female shepherd in the third game. As opposed to Caden, who was, um, you know, for male shepherd. He's, he's down for, for the cock. Um, oh, that, yeah. that makes sense. That makes sense in respect. I, I couldn't for the life of me, work out why they've done that. Because as you say, it feels awkward. It feels like someone who's only ever read about flirting in a book trying to write flirting. Mm. It's like, are you trying to do a sex to me? Hey, you can't blame a man for trying. It seems uh. weird. It's, um, but it's, I, I, I thought that they were just trying to give the dog platoon some sort of camaraderie that felt authentically military, but it just sort of felt, felt a bit weird. Authentically creepy. Yeah, it, it was strange. Yeah, not good. It's bad. Handle bad. Handle poorly. Not good. Um, that's my only note about three, other than it's more of the same, and they're talking about Ashley uh, during fucking Eden Prime, and I think that's really boring, because, hey, I was there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's, again, it's the foregone conclusion. It's sort of, well, we already kind of know this. It's a yeah, blank we that we've filled in. Exactly. Yeah. This is exactly when... Uh... Shepherd lands on uh, on Eden Prime, and she just does her own thing, and then we meet her. So it's like, I've seen this. Yeah, total waste of time. Also, I'm I'm re- rather pissed off that Ashley didn't look like Ashley, but you know. <laughs> to be fair, even in the games, they like they go, they go pretty wide with how Ashley looks. Yeah. <laughs> Ashley never looks like Ashley. Yeah. <laughs> in between the games, they um. Ashley is not super consistent. To be fair, Shepard's not very consistent either. But what do you? Well, think? yeah, but then again, um, it's. I I must admit, I didn't recognize Ashley at first. I went, oh, is that Ashley? Okay, and then it's by the end panel. I was going, that does look a little bit like Ashley, but it's again, it's just the slight weirdness of the art in places. It's there's there's another panel as well. I've got in my notes, which is just it's on the very first page, and it's got Kyleng whispered into what looks like a disembodied ear. And it's kind of brilliant, but also kind of weird. Yeah, yeah, really, really bizarre. Um, issue, uh, or, or, yeah, oh yeah, but before it was the 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 second to last page on issue three is the first Shepherd reference, and then after that, it's fucking Shepherd twenty four seven, never not shepherding. Um, <laughs> shepherding, right? Um, there's just Shepherd references fucking constantly after that. Um, so issue four is uh, a, the Caden issue, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. so, so here's the thing. Caden uh, has been dead for me for a long time. Like a long, long, long time. And Are you I, trying to tell me you didn't read it? No, 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 no. I read the, I read the issue, but Caden is... I didn't Kane. read it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I didn't know about his whole murdering people thing. Oh. Um... But I'm sure, here's the thing, I'm sure that everybody else does. Anybody who gives a shit about Caden uh, does know about his, his murdery thing. Um, I didn't. So I'm like, huh, that's interesting. I'm sure that's in the game somewhere. But Yeah, it is. At the very beginning of Mass Effect 1, actually. Um, he, but... he, he bitches and whines about it for a long time if you bother to flirt with him. Which I didn't. Yeah. Uh, so that's the problem, is that like, 
I, is that they're rehashing stuff, but I guess I the, the problem is that like I had never seen that to begin with because I never, ever, ever, ever talk to Caden and then immediately kill him the second I have the opportunity to. So I have very little background on Caden, um, but I'm sure people who actually like Caden have the same um, irritated eye roll reaction that I have with everything else in, the, in this uh, comic series where it's like, we know already, Jesus. Um, yeah, I, I I agree. I think it was sort of it was an interesting character moment, and it was I, th- I think at the very least what we can say in favour of this one is that it is slightly bring those conversations in the Normandy to life, and it was actually showing something that we would never had a chance to see, and it was something that was nowhere near Shepard's timeline. I mean, it's still just filling in blanks, is is dotting eyes and crossing t's, um, but it's interesting. It's an interesting character moment. But the moment. way it was not... handled was really hamfisted, though. Yeah, I don't believe it from Caden, and it's, I, I do believe his regret, and I believe um, what's his Rana is that his girlfriend? Sure. Yeah, I, I believe her know. response to it, um, but it's but like it, the, the whole setup is shitty. It's it, like it's real. It's um, contrived. It's I I didn't get what was going on. This is one of the ones where again the artwork sort of killed it. It's there's there's. Like, there are nice moments of artwork where you're seeing the recruit through, like, the glass of water, but I don't have a clue what the Turian instructor is trying to do. It's, I, don't, I don't see how he breaks her arm. It's, is, he, is he genuinely being helpful with the water, or has he thrown the glass at her at a force that is somehow enough to break her arm? It's, it, it, I, I couldn't tell what was going on, and I think that's a shame, because it's one of the more interesting issues. It's, um, it's, we, we see the Turians um, with their, their brutality and their military discipline, and mm-hmm. um, it's something which sort of got fallen by the wayside mm-hmm. in, the few, in the subsequent games. But it's, we actually see that now, and that's quite a good reminder. Oh, yeah, the Turians are sometimes dicks. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, I, I thought that works well, and I thought there were elements that worked very well um, yeah. with this issue, but it's, the artwork sort of made it a little bit hard to follow. It's, I've got no idea. It's, there's... there's where is it? I'm trying to find a panel. There's a panel where it's the thing that they're constructing is always conveniently out of view. And I think that's probably, again, for a budget reason, it's they don't have enough time to um, be able to keep on drawing the super complex structure. But you don't quite get a sense of context or where everyone is or what everyone's trying to achieve. And it's it looks weird. Yeah, it's bad. It's not good. Um, so and then also my, like my notes for this one is like... Uh, because uh, it's this is designed to be like a longer ongoing project instead of like the tight the super tight four issue stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it's so loose. Where and then also you have all these like these interstitial like stories being woven woven together super lightly. Where it's like I don't know what like what is the fucking point? Like what are we even doing here? Yes, I mean it's 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 adding a bit of color to things that we would not necessarily. See. I think this is one the one of the ones where that criticism is least fair um I, I think certainly in the second one with rex i think that's there is nothing that happens there that is more interesting than what happened in the actual game it's actually pursuing fist is far more interesting than just following this fist around and oh crikey he's uh also he's Skidados. what's happened there i've never really i i never really thought about it until i actually saw the name fist written in this book <laughs> because it's only ever really spoken in the games but mm-hmm. man it's fist a fucking stupid name name a character it's it's a very strange thing. <laughs> Why would they name him Fist? I don't know. Maybe he just likes fisting. Yeah, I. You know what? I agree. Fisting is fucking a fantastic hobby, and I uh, I approve wholeheartedly. Maybe that's the story we should have seen. How did he become known as Fist? Yeah. See, this is like 
uh, you know, Mass Effect fisting. Mass Effect colon fisting. Just be sure you can actually find uh, fan fiction about this. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no problem. That's on Tumblr somewhere. R- rule 34, well, everybody. We're actually that's... on live journal, but yes. <laughs> that, that's the next episode of uh, Quadcast, by the way. Mm-hmm. It's going to be Mass Effect fisting, so read up. Yeah, exactly. It's Quadcast episode 20, fisting. Um, <laughs> get on it, everybody. Uh, so issue five, uh, artist switches to Matthew Clark and Drew Garacy. Uh, this is Jacob. This is the, like the, the start of the two part Jacob Miranda story of searching for Shepard's body, uh, in episode five. I hate this artwork. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. It's bad. Well, I didn't mind the artwork. I quite, I, I mean, I'm, I'm just re-familiarizing myself with it now. One problem with the artwork is that there's about three people who could be Miranda before Miranda is actually revealed. It's everyone seems to be wearing her clothes. It is very distracting when mm-hmm. you've got a character who is basically just sort of brown hair. It's when, when the characters are so often off model, I don't know that the character in the first scene isn't Miranda. Mm-hmm. And it takes a few pages before it is, oh, no, that's not Miranda. This is Miranda now. Okay, I'm with Miranda. It's... Yeah. I can't actually comment on it at all because I don't have it. So I, I didn't read this one either, but not by choice because the, the previous one was by choice. Because fuck that guy again. But uh, this one I just don't have. Okay. That's I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, we can actually, uh, for anybody who actually cares uh, about like seeing what happens in these plots but doesn't want to actually bother reading all of these, uh, which I wouldn't blame them. Uh, you can just go to the Mass Effect Wiki at MassEffect.Wikia.com, and uh, it has the whole kind of breakdown about what happened in the plot. But really, nothing fucking happens. Um, that's the pr- I think that's the core problem is that nothing is happening. Nothing is happening that is at all important in the least. It's well, um, it's yeah. If if you want to know what's happening, play the game since you will quickly find out. Um, but it's I think there were effective things about this one, and I think this one. Um, it's quite nice to see Jacob's recruitment and to see him seriously questioning Cerberus' motives um, sort of as an alliance soldier. It feels like something that we didn't see and it feels like an angle to him that's completely consistent with his character but it's something that we hadn't necessarily seen firsthand. So I think this one does add something. I think the artwork is at least interesting. Um, it might be because it's got the room to um, breathe over a couple of stories, um, a couple of issues even, mm-hmm. that there uh, is it's got enough time to cover interesting things we see the devastation of the citadel which we never really saw um like we we saw this fallout of saren uh, saren's attack and we see a damaged citadel which is something that the game's never got around to so i don't know i think there are nice things about this one um i i was quite i was quite fond of this two part um i like um so in the you know in issue six where it's kind of the resolution of the miranda jacob stuff um this switches from uh, to uh, Matthew Clark and Sean Parsons, and I actually think I like the art better in this. Like, just go on the on the on the uh, Wikia page. Um, I, I think about this. Like, this is pretty fucking rad art, uh, and I'm I'm putting a link to it uh, right here. Um, yeah, I think it look like that looks pretty cool. Yeah, it does actually. Um, so I, I, you know, I think the art is better in this one. That would would you agree, Rob? That you like? Did, did you like the art better in six than you did five? Yeah, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's it's a it's a pretty episode. Um, issue, issue. <laughs> um, and this, you know, it, it's 
for all intents and purposes, five and six are should just be one issue, but like a, like a double issue. Um, it's the same. It's the same story. Um, blah blah blah. Uh, like, Jake and Miranda discussed their mission's aftermath, with Miranda disapproving of Jake's unnecessary risk, but approving of his rescue nonetheless. Like, um, it's boring. It's boring. Um, and, and, like, at this point, at this point, like, once I read 5 and 6, I'm just like, man, fuck this comic series. Um, th- like, I was, I was not feeling it uh, b- before this either, but this was, like, 5 and 6 were the p- point where I was just like, I'm not into this i think this is actively bad but you are but you seem to have a different opinion rob yeah yeah i thought it was fine i think it was diverting it's i think because i read them all absolutely squarely back to back as well there's an element of i was seeing i felt like i was seeing progress and i felt like i was seeing them learning from their mistakes a little bit Mm -hmm. it's there's there's a scene um my favorite panel in uh as you say in issue six it is the artwork is there's a it's an entire page and it's just um, Jacob jumping through the air, firing two guns, and the caption just goes, blam, 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 blam. And I find that both funny and entertaining. But on the following page, there is there is a scene of the Batarians being shot, and it's just sort of their silhouettes with the light radiating through it. I think it's a bit too sort of gore-porny for me. But it's I do like the idea of what they were going for, and it really conveys the action. And I, I think that was absolutely an upgrade on any of the artwork so far. Right. I think they were learning from their mistakes. I think... I think it's I think it's a diverting enough um, way to spend a couple of quid. Yeah, and, and, and they're all really short. Each individual one is only like yeah. twenty four pages, so you're not going. It's not like oh man, now I have to invest fucking like three hours in it. Like now nah, you're spending like twenty to thirty minutes, maybe longer if like if you really really like to dissect art and mm-hmm. like, and they kind of see like. I wonder how they actually made this and started really contemplating it longer, sure. But if you're just reading the comic and absorbing the artwork, uh, tw- like 20 minutes. Yeah, it's, it's a brief investment, and I think it's for all to say that it's retreading old grounds. It's, I mean, it's, it's well enough to complain that it isn't a brand new story, but what it is is, I mean, it's we never really saw much Miranda and Jacob interaction despite them apparently having a history. So there's also that with this two plot. So I don't know, I think, I think there are merits. The, the horrendous... Uh, like top-down shooter released for iOS called Mass Effect Galaxy. Which, yeah, I I might not have touched that. <laughs> um, you can't even. I, I I'm pretty sure that you can't even get it anymore. On the you can't even pirate it. Well, I'm sure you can do that, but you can't get it off the store. Um, they took it down off the store. Um, but yeah, it's not good. I played it, and it's bad. It's it's a bad game. People should not like. Be, yeah, no, don't bother because it's bad. Um, yeah, the the I always thought the way they handled Miranda and Jacob in the games was weird. In that, like, what because it doesn't go anywhere. All they ever do is reference that they have this history, but like, it it doesn't ever lead to like a to a payoff in the <laughs> games. It doesn't ever lead to being like. And this happened with our relationship because of what happened back then. It just, hey, this thing happened back then. Anyway, yeah. back to Shepard. I mean, yeah, it's just texture in the game. And I think texture's always a good thing. So texture for texture's sake is not something necessary to disapprove of. But I think it's something to do with the game mechanics. 
Whereas you can only really speak to them individually, except for the first couple of missions where you know you'll have them both in there in your party. But I would uh, say, like, when everything, not everything, but like when almost everything else in the game has a reason, like they're using it specifically to tell a sto- to tell a story or to give um, a d- deeper insight. When mm-hmm. this, like this, it seems like it kind of stuck out to me at the time as something where they probably intended to have more of it. But they got cut or whatever; they couldn't implement it in time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. In that sense, it's nice that they use a medium where they can actually explore that a little bit, even if it is just fleetingly within mm-hmm. forty-eight pages, um, right. minus titles, to have a look at that and just inspect it, give it a cursory glance. But it's yeah, it's possible in there in a way that the game mechanics perhaps weren't able to sure. have a look at it. So I don't know. I think I think that's certainly somewhere where I would mm-hmm. something where I would say Mass Effect Foundation has sort of succeeded. It's mm-hmm. I, I was pleased to see Jacob, so that's interesting. That's, that's, that's different. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's a really good issue compared mm-hmm. to you know, the rest. I like it. Interesting. Um, I definitely think that 6 is the superior to 5. I think that probably just because there's resolution. that That's probably yeah. why I like it. But like, yeah. I think the art's better. I think that the way it's handled better, I, I think it's just a it's superior issue. Um, so in 7, that's... Uh, tagline is... The psychotic biotic unleashed. Where just like, <laughs> oh god. Um, so, do you guys? Re- I, I'm sure you guys do remember. But like, uh, before I actually even cared about Mass Effect, I do remember the a bunch, a bunch of people being pissed off when they announced Jack, uh, because it was before we had any context about what Jack actually was, and they were just like, oh, it's gonna be some tough biker chick. Who gives a shit? Um, and I feel like that in the game. They handle Jack really well, but the second that you're out of the game, every time that Bioware like even breathes the word Jack, um, it gets super trite and boring. I wonder if that might be a testament to um, Courtney's performance when she is playing. She 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 sells Jack absolutely perfect with the sort of slight the slight draw to her accent. It's there's there's lines in here like I'm your fairy godmother, where it's absolutely it it, it reeks of cheese on the page. But I think in her mouth that would have actually worked Maybe quite well. Also, it could be whoever is like the main writer. I don't. I don't know off the top of my head who is the main writer of Jack in the games, mm-hmm. but probably they have a better take on Jack on like what how she talks. Yeah, uh, that's definitely fair. Than most than like let's say Mac Walters does. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I find I find that every time I see Jack outside of the games, it's super trite and boring, and I don't think this is a very good issue. Maybe you should try reading her cheesy lines and her voice. Maybe. Um, yeah, it seems bad. Uh, also, this is like uh, is it, it's it's I don't know. Relatively, uh, I, they're trying. I guess they're trying to get back on track. Where on the the Kailang Rasa stuff in whatever timeline that like time period that is, uh, they get back into it a little bit. Um, but then obviously you have to deal with uh, Subject Zero uh, breaking out and doing all that good stuff. Um, I just, do you think that? Do you think that this issue, if if you cut out all the Jack stuff, do you think it does anything to progress the Kailang Rasa, Rasa stuff? Um, I barely remember any of the Kailang Rasa stuff from this. I mean, I suppose I'm flicking through right now. 
It does, maybe, to an extent. I don't get a sense that Kai Rasa stuff is necessarily going anywhere. I just think of it as a as a framework that the story is being told in this. Oh, then by the, the way... What the fuck are we doing with our lives, Rob? Well, we're just watching... We're reading a few Mass Effect stories. But it's... Yeah, I, 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 I don't know to what extent the Kai Rasa stuff is ever going to be relevant. I imagine it will sort of just carry on ticking along in the background and it will lead into a cliffhanger that would start off the events of Mass Effect 3. Does that sound plausible-ish? Alright, I, I guess, but that sounds shitty. Well, <laughs> lower your standards. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm just expecting too much. Lower uh, your expectations. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. Um, yeah. And then issue 8, which is, this is the last one where, where we have available to us as, as of recording. Um, issues uh, 9 through 13. Oh, so... What the fuck did I think? I thought that there were only... Th- th- I wrote in the notes three more issues, but there's five more issues. Um, yeah. Um, nine through 13 that are coming out. Uh, where, I don't know, maybe they're doing something, but I can't fucking tell. Uh, well, by the... Uh, the I mean, uh, by the covers that were released, it's going to be Morden, Kasumi, and Zaid. Yeah. Um... And then what? Yeah, 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 Mass Effect And that's so that get that goes up to eleven, and then there's twelve and thirteen that remain, um, that we don't know, we don't have the covers for, uh, or that we don't have art for. Um, so in this, uh, it, we have a a big. Uh, well, number one, you have that the really creepy uh, aspect where with Rasa like lightens her skin. Which I think is a weird thing to do, but I guess whatever, we live in space and fucking the Mass Effect or whatever. <laughs> um, but then also, um, I think that that the Thane stuff is really trite. I just think, like, I guess trite is the best word to describe everything that they do with the other with the characters outside uh, uh, outside of the game. Where I'm just like, alright, like... They're doing thane ass things with him, like oh, like look how deep I am. I'm I'm a fucking assassin, but with a assassin with a heart of gold, like it's just like the, like super uh, formulatic formu, formulaic yeah. thane. What do you think? It's, I I I think they need to come up with a different god than Kalahira. It's always Kalahira. It's oh, we need to draw a god. Let's invoke Kalahira and move on. It's it was, becomes a catchphrase. I think it's it's catchphrase theme, and he doesn't appear until quite late, which is I suppose um, a blessing and a curse. But like <laughs> it's, also, that 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 is also a formulaic theme. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. It is. It is absolutely um, is theme a comic book version of theme, which is appropriate considering the medium. Um, but it is it's very curious. How many panels is he actually in? It looks like. I mean, I'm skimming through now. I think he's just in the one page. Um, I think he is. Yeah, it's. I mean, you've got dialogue from him where he's saying, "Yes, officer, I apologize. I'll take her from here." Uh-huh. And it's that's got genuinely effective art on it, uh, by the way, where it's sort of the the panels are melting. Oh, I suppose you've got his silhouette of his face, but other than that, there's just the one page where his entire dialogue is, "Why not, young woman? I believe you." Um, and I believe that I was misinformed of your purpose. I do not see murder in your soul. I apologize for the sickness you're about to experience, but it will wear off soon enough. Kalahira, guide her through the dark and show her how to live her life. That's all he gets in vision. That's uh, wow. it's, it's very strange. It's strangely laid out, which I suppose might actually be um, in some ways correcting your issue that 
there was very little of Kai Leng or uh, Raza in the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is Drell's... Um, Drell's... Well, I just call him Drell like that was his name. Um, Thane's influence is, is quite, it's quite tangential, which appears to be my word today. But, um, yeah, it, it's, it's giving a chance for um, some espionage. And it's, I think... I think the non-Thane stuff actually works quite well. It's, um, it's, there's a problem with... Um, there's, I, I mentioned earlier that in a previous uh, issue, all of the shots of Cerberus women in Miranda clothes mm-hmm. all look like they could have feasibly been Miranda. Mm-hmm. And um, there's exactly the same problem with this one. But then when they get to the stuff with Taylor Vassier and the Cerberus, um, I suppose the Cerberus spy... It's the Cerberus spy has got a big shock of blonde hair and blue lipstick, so there's no chance that you're going to mistake her for anywhere else. Mm-hmm. So again, it's sort of like they're learning a little bit, and it's a bit like they're kind of correcting some of their mistakes as they go along, even though this one is the worst for cases of mistaken identity of Miranda's. There are characters in this who I still don't know if they're Miranda or no. It's, I can't tell. I think, um, I think it's a much you. It's much more interesting if you read them all as Miranda at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd like that. I might, I might start doing that. I might reread them with the idea that there are three Mirandas. Well, you know, considering the fact that she was just one of many clones, then... Yeah. Yeah, okay, why not? Cerberus is staffed by Miranda. Yes. Yes! We have worked out the secret. They only need to pay her once, and it all squares (laughs) up. That's how they've got so much money. We have rumbled the inner workings of the Cerberus Corporation. But yeah, it, it, it's, it sort of works. It's, again, we're getting a lot of stuff on... Um, do we see the clone in this one? Is this the one where we see the clone? No, I don't remember. I can't remember. And I don't have, um, it, I don't have it pulled up. Yeah, we, we see... Um, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We do have... We see that Shepard... Like, they're working on Shepard, bringing Shepard back, saying, like, oh, fucking Shepard. Like, we're, like yeah, Shepard's body and whatever, but we want to make sure that, like, Shepard is Shepard. Yeah. yeah. It's, I, 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 I like the shot of the clone in the tank. That was all I was going to say. Lovely. Carry on. Yeah, I just wanted to say that the last uh, pages of the issue actually look like the intro to Mass Effect 2. Mm. Yeah, it does, a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know, I guess it's just to help us find the time frame more exactly. Yeah, or like, hey, in case you forgot, this is Mass Effect, you guys. Yeah, well, uh, have an elusive man. Uh, yeah. It doesn't look like an elusive man. Um, but I, it, this, like, all of this goes to, like, remind me that so much of Mass Effect and the appeal of Mass Effect is in the execution, because if it wasn't executed as well as it is in the in the games, it would come off as really bad. Like, mm-hmm. the Elusive Man, when you write down what the Elusive Man is on paper, it seems pretty shitty. Like, it seems really, really boring and, like, oh, he's an all-knowing, all-seeing, like, super rich billionaire guy who has his own, like, paramilitary group, like, boring. But in the game, the way he's handled is pretty entertaining. Oh, yeah, but then again, you have to give credit to, uh, yeah. yeah. Because he, he really brought the character, really. Definitely. Uh, and there's so much of it because because they rely a lot on tropes from sci-fi in general. Um, a lot of it can seem really, like, overdone or, like, oh, they're just relying on this again. But it's handled so well in the games most of the time uh, that you can kind of, you can forgive it. Um, 
Whereas in these things, in the in the books, uh, in the in the comic books, it's much less easy to forgive because it's not handled as well and is obviously on a much lower budget. So uh, it's harder for me to to get along with it and uh, just in general. So provided that I do not prompt you to do so, Rob, uh, for like let's say for a podcast, do you think that you would want to finish it out by by reading the last five issues? Yeah, I mean, there's only five more, and we're already like well over halfway. So it's, I think, the in deal for, a penny, for me in for a pound. Yeah, to an extent, it's. Um, I suppose penny and pound is quite in for quite ten pounds, in for fifteen pounds. Well, yeah, exactly. It's, I've spent about a tenner on this, just under a tenner actually. It came out as, but that's because so much of it was on sale. It's you've got the first um, four issues are all available in a single volume, which rounds out to about I think it's seventy five sense each possibly don't crucify me if that's wrong um and just then the subsequent ones are all on sale except for the most recent they're on sale for half price so it's for the price i'm actually quite happy with what i got i mean it's fairly schlocky but it's um i think i think the clue there was the first page of certainly the um the eighth issue where it's got Thane on it and sort of holding a, a sword to someone's neck mm-hmm. and the caption is death from the shadow and i think if you think that sounds like this sort of fun Mass Effect thing you might want to be interested in, then it's certainly worth just chucking a tenner on. But it's it's, it's 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 not. Don't expect sort of huge quality cinematic storytelling. It's just little vignettes about the characters that we previously loved, and this made me want to revisit Mass Effect. It makes me want to start the games up again. So yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I was thinking I think, about that earlier. I'm like, man, I could play some Mass Effect. Yeah, <laughs> it, I think that too. But then again, it turns out that I have a deadline and I can't right now. <laughs> Uh, but I wanted to so much. Yeah. Do you think you'll finish this off? Finish off this series, Laughlin? When when I start? No, 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 no. I think. Do you think? That, oh, the, the comic books. Well, yeah. I will definitely read the the Gyrus episode because I'm pretty sure they will have one. Um, I don't know. Probably. Yeah, I mean, I mean, how, how many more? Uh, well, they're they're missing uh, Tally, Gyrus, and what? Well, that's that's the other two episodes. Well, sure. but, probably because but, uh, right now we, we know there is going to be also Morden and Kasumi and Zaid. Well, but then yeah. also think about like in Homeworlds they already did Vega, Tally, Garrus, and Liara, and we haven't seen them. So do you think that maybe because they were in Homeworlds they mm-hmm. won't be in these? Um, I thought about it, but then I thought no, because everybody loves Tally and Garrus. I guess. <laughs> I suppose. Tali and Garrus have obvious gaps in the narrative. I mean, Garrus, yeah. you've got his stationing on Palavan during the Reaper attack, so I imagine that would be up there, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah, because it, it definitely can. But um, but Tally and Homeworlds, they kind of do... They, like, they're already doing that, that... Like, this... What they're doing in uh, Foundation is what they did with Tally and Homeworlds, where they they covered her in her early bits in the, on the Citadel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, like, what else is there to do with Tally other, no, other than being like, uh, how do you like how do you tie that in with the Shepherd narrative in oh, Foundation? Yeah, yeah, no, 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 because this this whole thing is tied by uh, uh, fake Officer Brooks, right? Right. And she composed all the um, dossiers on her, on her on 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 the crewmates. So maybe how how she got interested in them? Maybe. What what? what uh, made her think about, you know, recruiting them for Shepard. 
Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But I guess we'll see soon enough. Man, I don't know if I'm going to bother with the rest of the series because I'm not having a great time. Uh, no, I it's... And I mean, at least the other, like, the other Mass Effect series, the reason why like I've been able to tolerate them, I think it's because they were like their four episodes, or four issues, rather. Um, in that, like, hey, do you want to read Homeworlds? Well, fuck, it's four issues. Fuck it. Or hey, you want to read? Uh, you want to read Invasion? Well, it's four issues. Fuck it. Where this is like it's sixteen or, or thirteen issues, and I'm like, ugh. Yeah, but they're short. They are short. Um, and pretty much they're just in their own stories, except for five and six. So yeah, I don't know. Um, so if you guys haven't already read them, or if you haven't already paid for them, like ah, uh, I don't know if I could recommend this with it with a you know with two thumbs up. I, it's like, if you really, really are dying for just more Mass Effect that you already experienced, then I guess. Um, but if you if you expect it to be something new, then you're in for some disappointment. Uh. What do you think, Rob? Um, I, I, I think that's probably a fair. It's, I think you need to go in knowing exactly what you're buying, frankly. And hopefully this podcast will have uh, told you exactly what you're buying. So if you've listened to the podcast and gone, well, that sounds all right by it but if not it's you 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 will be forgiven for missing out i think yeah i mean i think that's the best that i could say about this is like there are parts of it that are all right like <laughs> all right like oh, okay hey that's the part from the game that i played um uh, yeah, yeah yeah i like that game that's a good game uh it does a lot of that for me or i'm just like i should be playing mass effect instead of reading this piece of shit um but yeah, that's just me being a jerk, I guess. Rob, where can people find you on the internet? Um, I'm on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash Rob D. Webster. Look at my tweets, look at my tweets, look upon them. Hashed. You broke him. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Should we do that again? Sure. I'm on Twitter. It's great. Uh, at, Rob, at Rob D. Webster. Yeah. What was the what was the hashtag fisting? Yes. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> hashtag Mass Effect fisting, I think. Let's uh, be specific. Hashtag ME fisting. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. That sounds like it's me. <laughs> um, and then, uh, Laughlin, where can people find you on the internet? On Tumblr. It's nightling.tumblr.com. Uh, and then if you want to see us do this, do this crazy podcasting stuff weekly... Head on over to theweeklyroar.com. If you want to see what I do uh, throughout the week, go just go to grandpruner.com. Alrighty, so for Quadcast, that's Rob, that's Lachlan. Have a good one. There was a castle by a waterfall with a pink and purple wall and a princess living there. She had no parents and was all alone. She got by on her own and she liked it pretty well. Cause she never wore socks. She had a pet snake, she bought her a guitar, and she ate a whole cake, and there wasn't anybody there to tell her what to do, so she did what she wanted to. Everybody knew the story of the princess who saved herself. There was a dragon with a pointy tail, he was bigger than a whale, and his breath was terrible. He scared the princess when he came around. Down, but she called him by his tail 
Then she tied him to a tree so the dragon couldn't fly. She told him he was mean and it made the dragon cry. When he finally apologized, she offered him some tea. He accepted it graciously. Now he visits every weekend with the princess who saved herself. Hello? Hey, beautiful. Prince Philip. Oh, hi, Philip. Yeah, we met at the ball. I was the handsome one who was wearing Hey, a... Philip. Tell me if this sounds like a phone hanging up. <laughs> yeah, it totally does. Hello? Oh, I see. Here we go. Hello? Fee-fi-fo-fum. I smell the... Oh, come on! There was a witch who was an evil queen. She was wrinkled old and green. The princess in her silver gown Put the poison apple down Asked her where she bought her clothes So they got the witch a dress Put some makeup on her face They started up a band And the dragon played the bass Every Saturday they play until their fingertips Are sore, mostly math, rock and cuddle core And they call themselves the kingdom Of the princess who 